Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Scripture this morning is the 16th chapter of Mark's gospel. We've been reading through Mark since the beginning of January. So we read Mark's resurrection narrative. As we come to this passage, would you first join me in a word of prayer? Risen Christ, it is your word and your word alone that is life for us. So as we return to these ancient words by your Spirit, May we hear in our own hearts your whisper, your holy whisper, that your word might come to life in us. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Listen to this. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there's the place they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So the unique thing about Mark's telling of this day is that in Mark, the risen Christ doesn't appear to anyone. It's unfortunate because it's pretty challenging to trust in resurrection if you don't get a glimpse of the risen Christ. All the other gospels tell us who the risen Christ appeared to. But Mark leaves us standing on uncertain ground with these women who don't know what to do with this word. And that's one thing I love about Mark. He's so honest. It's almost as if he knew that when we come to this day, we can't come with certainty. We can't come with certainty. We come with hope. We come with faith. We can't come with certainty. 
And Mark says, in that you're not alone. It was like that the first Easter as well. The messenger said, he is not here. He's gone to Galilee. That's where you will see him. That is so odd. I mean, if this were me and I was resurrected, I wouldn't go to Galilee. I don't even think I'd go to Hawaii. I, I, I think I'd go home. I think I'd go to the people I love and the people who love me. But Jesus doesn't return to his disciples. His disciples are told he's taken a road trip. He's gone to Galilee. If you want to see him, you need to go to Galilee as well. Okay, that's not literal, okay? Don't, don't book your trip to Nazareth today. It's, it's not like there's this cool little coffee shop in Galilee that he's hanging out in for whoever drops by. No, if you read the story, Galilee is where ministry happens. Galilee is where he taught. Galilee is where he healed the sick. Galilee is where he fought against any power or condition that would erode human flourishing. In Galilee, he, pro he pointed to God's promised day, that day when all that has gone wrong will be made right. In Galilee, he told us that God's biggest dreams for you and for me would someday be realized, and he led us toward that day. Actually, that's what his whole life was about in this world. And if I understand the text, Mark is telling us that's what his resurrection is about as well. He is about the same things in resurrection that he was in his earthly life. And in that sense, resurrection changes life now. Mark tells us Jesus will do what he did, and it's happening all around us. We just have to have eyes to see it. When our, when our kids were small, a favorite book, a childhood storybook, was called The Napping House. It is a particular house where everyone is sleeping. Now, that never described our house, but we would read the book anyway to give us hope the, the napping house tells of a snoring granny, a dozing child, a dog, a cat, a mouse. The only non-sleeper in the house is a wakeful flea. The flea was my kid's favorite part. With each page, a new resident of the house is introduced and falls asleep. The dog dozes, the cat naps. The last to appear is the flea, and the flea bites the cat who scratches the dog. You get it. One by one, everyone who's fallen asleep is now awake, and it's a house where no one is sleeping. Like most children's books, we read this a bazillion and eight times, and at about the hundred thousandth time through, I was reading with my daughter Sarah, and she said, there's the flea, and I said, no, darling, we're... We're not there yet. We're still at the snoring granny. And she said, no, Daddy, there's the flea. I'd never noticed it before. It's just a flea, just a speck on the page. But as I look back through, the illustrator had put the flea on every single page. Go check it out. Not now. 
And the flea is there on every page, but you'd never see it, at least not the first time through. You got to train your eyes to know what you're looking for. I think glimpses of the risen Christ are a bit like that. They're on every page of our life. They're in every day of our life. We just need to train our eyes for what we're looking for because he's doing the same work in resurrection that he did with his life. He's drawing God's promised day a little closer to us. But the thing about resurrection glimpses in our lives here is they're often small victories, simple gestures. The risen Christ shows up in moments of kindness and compassion, in moments when justice breaks free and the innocent are released, when the depression is escaped, when injuries to the heart are laid down. And if we have eyes to see, this is how God shows up and shows us what is to come, points us to what awaits. Jesus, like, uh, just like his early disciples, witnessed these small inbreakings of resurrection, of new life. We too can witness such inbreaking, but for now it's mostly in small victories. So when I was in seminary, I served as a director of youth ministry at a church. I did not have the wisdom or talent that our own Zach Walker has, not by a long shot, but I tried. Uh, the youth of that church, like the youth of this church, they took a ski trip every January. Now, I had never been snow skiing. I grew up in Georgia. We just ski on water and never in January, but I thought they're probably a lot alike. So I, I, I went along. We arrived at the ski lodge. I gave the guy my net worth, and he gave me some skis and some equipment and a lift pass, and he told me that ski school would convene on the west side of the building. I said, that sounds like a good idea. But Patrick Newman, he was an eighth grader in the group, Patrick Newman pulled me aside. He said, Tom, 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 ski school, really, Tom? I said, but Patrick, I've never snow skied. He said, Tom. Ski school is for losers. <laughs> Here I'm feeling peer pressure from an eighth grader. He said, Tom, you'll embarrass the whole group if you go to ski school. I said, but Patrick, I'm not really sure how to do this. He said, Tom, there's nothing to it. Just ride the lift to the top and come back down. It's natural. I looked up the hill, and people seemed to be doing it with relative ease. I even saw some kids skiing with no poles. I thought, how hard can this be? So I hobbled over to the ski lift. You know, getting on that thing is not as easy as it looks. They don't slow it down for you. It just comes by and whoosh, scoops you up. And so I, I kind of got my turn. I kind of waddled out there, and the chair was coming. And, and just as it was coming, I just turned around just for a second. I just, I just turned around just to make sure I was sitting down at the right time. And when I turned around, it, well, it put parts of me a bit wide. And, and the, the side of the ski lift chair hit me in the middle of the back and pushed me over face down in the snow. And the guy running the lift threw some switch and it stopped the chair, thank goodness. But not just my chair, oh no. Every chair going up the mountain, right? 
And so everybody, all the way up the mountain, they turn around to look, who's the guy from Georgia? Well, I get up, I dust myself off, I wave to everybody who's looking at me, I sit down, he throws a switch, we're off. And there's a young woman sitting next to me, and she says, do you ski a lot? (laughs) I said, you'll never believe this, but this is my first time. And she said, well, let me me give you some advice if you don't mind, because getting off is not quite as easy as getting on. I said, I'm listening. She said, when you get to the top, you want to make sure your ski tips are up. I said, okay, ski tips up. She says, you're going to feel the ground. I said, good, I'll feel the ground. She said, when you do, just stand up. You'll slide away. I said, sounds easy. So we got up there. I had my ski tips up. I felt the ground. But I just wanted to double check. Is now, is, is now, is now the time I turned to ask her? She was gone. And then I felt the ski chair kind of start turning around. <laughs> Have you ever read one of those, wrote, ridden one of those things down the mountain? How you doing? Good to see you. Forgot my hat. Pass everybody. I got down to the bottom and the guy who threw the switch, he said, this is not the point. <laughs> that evening, Patrick Newman said, Tom, did you ski double black? I said, I don't, I, I, I don't think so. I said, I, I, I did learn how to get off the ski lift, though, and there's a slope called Bunny that I was able to ski without hurting myself. When the battle is hard, you'll take small victories. Resurrection is like that. Jesus wasn't just raised. He was resurrected to continue the work of ministry, to do what he had always done. He was resurrected to make all things that have gone wrong to make them right. He was resurrected to make life beautiful and holy. And he's still doing that work. It's still happening all around us. In July of 2003, I had the privilege to preach my grandmother's memorial service A month later, I stood in the same sanctuary and preached my grandfather's memorial service. They they were married for 67 years and died five weeks apart. (laughs) And those two facts are the most romantic things I know to say about them. But each time we gathered in the sanctuary, it was the church of my father's childhood. It was where he was baptized. It was where he was confirmed. It's where my grandparents never missed a Sunday. In that service, we read, the Lord is my shepherd. We sang for all the saints, and then as we do, when the service ended, we adjourned to the little fellowship hall where the Presbyterian women set out a reception of lemonade and cookies. As the reception was drawing to a close, it was just me and a couple of my siblings that were left. I saw the the women kind of scurrying. They were cleaning up after our reception, and they were setting up for something else. They they brought out tablecloths and fine china, and and I said, do you all have a, a gathering tonight? And they said, yes, we do. We're feeding migrant workers tonight. They're Mexican, mostly, she said passing through the state to pick the beloved Carolina peach crop. 
It's a $90 million industry in South Carolina, but almost none of that gets to the people who actually pick the peaches. They, they live in squalor, and they're paid not enough to feed their own children. It's just a step above, above slavery. The Presbyterian women said they would feed about 35 migrants and their children, and after dinner, they would give them some English lessons, just some basic English lessons. I said, that sounds like a wonderful ministry. I was talking to a friend of my grandmother. Her name is Lake. I said, Lake, I bet you love this. She said, Tom, I wouldn't miss it. She said, these children have nothing. They're part of a system that grants them no future at all. But when we serve them mac and cheese and afterwards try a little English tutoring, it feels like Jesus is sitting right there at the table with us. I said, Lake, he probably feels that way because he is. That's where he shows up, where ministry happens. He shows up when we treat one another with kindness. He shows up when we treat one another with dignity. He shows up when we strive for justice and we see the good in one another and re revere the, the humanity in one another. That's where he shows up. At least that was Mark's experience. Mark knew that we couldn't trust resurrection unless we got a glimpse of the risen Christ. So he told us where we would find him. So share the love that is yours to share. Do the good that is yours to do. It may be small victories, but be attentive because the risen Christ will be right there. Every time, the risen Christ will be right there. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.